Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word. You help us, Lord, understand your words to receive them and to obey them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now if you turn to Genesis 34 and the second to last verse there in 30, Genesis 34, 30, and reading through uh, Genesis 35. Here we go. Genesis 34, 30. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And they said, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? And going on now to verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which is which was by Shechem. And they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. Okay, now in our last study, you remember that we came to this uh, final part here in chapter 34 And what was so striking about that, the last verse in particular, was how Simeon and Levi withstood Jacob when he protested over the sin that they had committed against the Shechemites. And they justified themselves, their sin, and they said in verse 31, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? Now, although this was terrible, everything about this chapter is terrible, and the word of God puts no sugar coating on this account of what they did. This is a very dark part of the history of the Jewish people, no doubt about it. But it's important for us as, as believers really to understand two things when we read something like about this, about the history of the Jewish people that's so terrible. First of all, whatever sins we see in Simeon and Levi and the rest of the sons of Jacob for that matter, whatever we see them doing, we have to realize we have within us the same potential to do the same things. We have to remember what the Lord said to those men who were standing there ready to stone that woman caught in the very act of adultery in John 8, 7, when he said, when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, John 8, 7, and said unto them, he that is without sin, let him cast a stone, let him first cast a stone at her. 
So the first lesson we get from Genesis 34 is that if we condemn them, then we are condemning ourselves because of what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17.9, Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. There's hardly a worse description that you can give to the human heart than to call it desperately wicked. And when that verse says that the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, it contains in that verse a self-enclosed proof. You can, we can prove that the human heart is deceitful above all things. Why? Because the human heart will not admit that it's desperately wicked. And so that proves that the human heart is deceitful above all things, which is why when a person thinks that he's pretty good in God's sight and he's actually self-righteous, he's inflicting upon himself this terrible wound of self-deception. Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we ran to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to fill in a few little deficiencies that we had, but because we are desperately wicked. So when we look here at Simeon and Levi, we need to say, but for the grace of God, we would do the same thing. And when we look at the majority of the Jewish people rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to see ourselves as in the same position, just as Andrew Murray wrote in his hymn, how deep the Father's love for us when he wrote, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. See, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. So what we've seen here in Genesis 34 should not drive us to hate the Jewish people, but we should hang our heads in a state of brokenness for them. And as, they, as we pointed out, they were not justified in killing the Shechemites. But the second thing we have to realize is that God has, in spite of their sin, a special love for the Jewish people, even in their state of sin and unbelief, which is what we see here. And that's what Paul meant when he said in Romans eleven twenty eight. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. God chose, elected, he chose this nation. He has a special love. He has a special uh, choice for the Jewish people because they come from the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God has a special blessing and God has a special curse for those who, who, for how, how people feel about the Jewish people. When he said in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curseth thee. So we bless the Jewish people by praying for them to be saved from their sins. The highest form of love that we can show to the Jewish people is to bring them the gospel. That's the highest form of love that we can show to them is to bring them the gospel. The highest form of love we can show to the Jewish people is to try in compassion and care and kindness to get them off the train that's bound for the eternal Auschwitz by bringing them the gospel invitation to come to their God 
the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved from their sins. The highest form of hatred to the Jewish people is for us to know that they are without God's Passover blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for their sins and just to do nothing. The highest form of hatred to the Jewish people is to know that they're on that train bound for the eternal Auschwitz and say to them, you don't have to get off that train. Have a nice train ride. You're just fine on that train. And so I say to you, I say to you, when you see the sins of the Jewish people, like in this chapter, love them by praying for them to be saved from their sins, love them by bringing them the gospel in compassion, care, and kindness. Now, we turn now from the darkness of this chapter 34 to the light of chapter 35, and we have one of the most important statements in the Bible as we read verse one, when it says, and God said unto Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. See, one of the most important statements in the Bible is just simply this, where it says, and God said unto Jacob, arise, and go up to Bethel. I mean, we just finished one of the most terrible statements in the Bible, which was the last verse of chapter 34, verse 31, and, the, and where, the, where Simeon and Levi say, and they said, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? Here's a terrible slaughter of people, and the ones who, who, who led in it have just justified what they did. And chapter 35, you know how it could have started? After a statement like that, it could have started, and God said unto Jacob, I'm finished with you. It could have said, after what your sons did and how you did nothing to stop them, I want nothing to do with you. Our relationship is over. And that's what makes verse one so wonderful that it doesn't say that. Instead, God says this wonderful word, arise to Jacob. Jacob was so down when he said, arise and go to Bethel. I mean, his daughter had just been defiled. He fell down for failing to protect her. He abdicated his control to his sons. He felt down for failing to be the head of his home. You know, Simeon and Levi have just been so cruel. He felt down for failing to train them to be kind and forgiving. His sons have just argued with him and opposed him, and, and he felt so down for being so weak in his home. And now he's afraid of being killed by the Canaanites and he feels so down for failing as a leader and a protector of the home. So in that state, Jacob could turn to God and say, now what, Lord? Where do I go from here? And in verse one, when it says, God said unto Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, it shows us the truth of Proverbs twenty four sixteen. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. And Psalm 37, verse 23, Psalm 20, 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And that's what we see here in chapter 35, is though Jacob fell, 
he was not utterly cast down, but the Lord upheld him. And that goes for us. When we fall, there is hope in God. We shall not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds us. I mean, God saw Jacob, and in essence, he said, he, he was saying to Jacob by these words, Jacob, I see how horrible this has been for you, and it was. I see how you have failed. I see what your sons did. So in verse one, it is as if Jacob is standing right there, absolutely defeated, absolutely disgusted over what his families did when he said, you've made me to stink. Absolutely ashamed for failing to lead his family. And it is as if Jacob is just standing there, hanging his head so low, so defeated. And then in verse one, it's just like God comes to Jacob in that defeated, ashamed state. And God puts his arm across Jacob's shoulder and says, come on, Jacob, come home. Come home to the place of worship. Come home to where you should be. Come home to where you want to be. That's the beauty of verse one. It's just like God is saying to a defeated, ashamed uh, Jacob, come home to Bethel. And, And God said unto Jacob, arise, Go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. That's what makes verse one so great because it's in the backdrop of chapter 34. And it's God welcoming the sinner after he feels so horrible. You know, it reminds me of of the scene when the Jewish people will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as their God I'm not talking about the Messiah or the Savior. I'm talking about as their God. And in Zechariah 13, 9, it says, God says, I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. Then shall they call on my name. I will hear them. I will say, it's my people. They shall say, the Lord is my God. So even after a Genesis 34 experience here, God never rejects the Jewish people. Even when the Jewish people say that God has forsaken them, which they do in Isaiah 49, 14, Isaiah 49, 14. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my God hath forgotten me. How many times have we heard the Jewish people say that? The Holocaust and so forth. The Lord has forsaken me. My God has forgotten me. And God says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Forget the Jewish people? God says, how can I do that? They're permanently carved into the palms of my hands. God cannot look at his hands without remembering the Jewish people. How can God forget the Jewish people when they're graven in the palms of his hands? In Isaiah 44, 21, 44, 21, Isaiah 44, 21, he says, remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed thee, thou art my servant, O Israel, 
thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Romans eleven twenty eight through 29, as we already mentioned, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved of God, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When God called the Jewish people, he knew all that they would do, and he says that he's not gonna change his mind, he will not be shocked out of his calling of the Jewish people to be his special treasure, which is what he said in Exodus 19.5, Exodus 19.5, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. But whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And that applies to Jewish people. He will bring them to himself, purifying his hard work for God, but he's gonna do it. And he says he's gonna be like the refiner that's sitting down and working hard, focused over his work of refining silver and gold in Malachi 3.3, the last word that God said to the Jewish people before the 400 years of great silence. But in Malachi 3.3, he said, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. That's what makes verse one so precious because it's God saying, I know, I know, come home. Come on home, Jacob. Sometimes we're like Jacob. Sometimes we're like that. We, we feel so defeated. We've wandered away from God. And verse one says, we see God leading the wanderer back to himself. That was the time of Jacob's return, a complete return home. You know, Bethel's located about 30 miles away from Shechem, and it's in a higher elevation, so there's a rise. So God told Jacob that he was to move on to Bethel, dwell there, and make an altar unto God. And he explains, you remember, Jacob, when God appeared to you when you, you, you were running from the face of your brother, Esau. And so God tells Jacob that he's to make an altar. Go there and make an altar to God. Now what we see here is kind of interesting because you know, God is telling Jacob, go make an altar. We see how God is helping this wandering Jacob to come home, come back to him. You know, if we have neglected the personal altar of worship, if we've neglected our daily Bible reading, time in prayer with God, there's no person who is more interested to see us get back on the right track than God himself. And just as God showed and guided and helped Jacob to get back to his altar, rebuild the altar that he built 20, over 20 years ago, so God is gonna show us and guide us and help us to get back to our altar. It was over 20 years ago before Bethel that Jacob had given God this, this remember? He gave him this checklist. And he said, okay, now I got a checklist here and vows over here. And he said that in Genesis 28, 20, Genesis 28, 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way, then I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to wear, to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. This stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Well, Maybe Jacob forgot his checklist. Maybe he forgot his vow, but God didn't. And in verse one, 
God, really what God is saying there when he says go make an altar, God is saying, hey, Jacob, you remember that checklist that you gave me over 20 years ago? Let me just refresh your memory about it. You said, if God will be with me. That was the first item on your checklist. Well, Jacob, I've been with you, and I'm with you now. So that means we can put a check mark, right, by that one. So check. You know? And then the next one, if God will keep me in this way that I go. Well, Jacob, aside from a little limp that you've got, you look pretty well kept. <laughs> so that means we can put a check mark by that one on your list. So check. And then he said, if God will give me bread to eat, well, Jacob, you look pretty well fed. <laughs> so that means we can put a check mark by that one on your list. Check. If God will give me raiment to put on, well, Jacob, you don't look naked to me. So that means we can put a check mark by that one too on your list. So check. If God will make me come again to my father's house in peace, well, Jacob, Looks like Esau brought you back to your father's house in peace. So that means we can put a check mark by that one on your list too. Check. Well, that was all the items on your checklist. Every item. Look at that, Jacob. Every item's got a check mark by it. So now it's time for you to do your part of the vow, which you said. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt surely give me, I'll surely give the tenth I'll give unto thee. So that means that there are three items on your checklist, Jacob. Number one, God becomes your God. Such a great prize for God to have Jacob M as God. Boy, we're envious. So number two, the pillar set up in Bethel will be God's house, which is which is good because it gets pretty cold at night and God needs a house for shelter, you know, so I mean, that's nice. And number three, of everything that God gives you, you'll give a tenth back to him, which is also pretty good because God may be running a little short and needs to have you give back a tenth that he gave to him so God doesn't run out. Okay, so now it's time for Jacob to make good on the second item of his checklist of making this pillar that he had set up to be God's house. God's house is gonna be the place where Jacob's gonna meet with God. That's the altar, so God's helping Jacob live up to his end of the deal. God's helping Jacob to return to God. And God tells Jacob to keep this in mind, how God appeared to you at that place. He appeared to you when you were running for your life. See, now when you think about it, it was over 20 years ago when God appeared to Jacob when he's talking about here, when he was running away from Esau. And so God is asking Jacob to remember something that happened over 20 years ago and to memorialize it. And there's a lesson in that. You know, in our lives, we have these infrequent times when we really sense the presence of God. And God does something really special for us. And those infrequent times, we are to hold on to, tell others about, memorialize it whatever way. I mean, there's a lesson behind this picture that's in front of us now, where God is telling Jacob, Jacob, cherish the time when God appeared to you over 20 years ago. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 